Hey, Dylan, I have a question. Ask away. All right, so I'm wondering, how does Christianity and homosexuality fit together? Can someone be gay and a Christian at the same time? Yeah, those are good questions, and those are questions that we constantly are asked and told differently by different people all the time. Uh, And so uh, today on the Empty Thinking Podcast, uh, we're going to explore this, explore these questions, explore um, LGBTQ plus um, questions, thoughts, and and things that um, a lot of people have questions, even we do, uh, even prior to this, have been discussing. we probably should have started this podcast episode like an hour ago, but we have been talking about st- uh, talking about different things. Um, but if you're jo- just joining us for the first time, uh, I'm one of your hosts, Dylan Paneline. I'm Joey Stonemeyer, uh, and this is the Empty Thinking Podcast, and where we just pretty much think ourselves empty on different topics and discuss them, talk about them. We really just want to get the conversation started um, in your own mind and in your own family sphere of influence just gets you thinking so you can study you can know uh for yourself as as we are also trying to figure this kind of stuff out but yeah yeah so we recognize this is a a sensitive subject for a lot of people and we don't claim to know like everyone's pain everyone's specific circumstance um we don't even claim to know all the answers but um we have god's word and that does have um, the answers because God is, he's true. And basically we have to get our truth from somewhere. We can't just make our truth up um, subjectively because then everybody's going to disagree. So Dylan, why is it important for us to get our truth and our authority from scripture about this topic? Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty much just going to rip off what you were just kind of saying and going in that same direction. Um, is because if you if you would claim to be a Christian or claim that there is a God, um, these things have to logically follow. Because if you believe who God is, that God is perfect, that God is holy, that God is righteous, that He's just, He's loving, um, He's wrathful, all of these things, like that is who God is. That's who He's revealed Himself to be in, in the Bible and the Word. Um, and if He is the one who, Genesis 1, like you have to have faith from the very first words of the bible because it begins with in the beginning god and then in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth if you believe that god is who created the heavens and the earth then he has the right and the authority to make the rules like romans 9 tells us that the potter has the right over the clay whoever creates something has the authority over Mm -hmm. that object uh and has has the um has the right to, to declare what is good, what is right, what is true. And the same goes for the word of God because it's from it, the, the very God himself has spoken. And that's what we say the Bible is. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17, that says that all scripture is breathed out by God, both the old and the new Testament. It's all God breathed. It's all from God. The same God who we would claim is perfect, holy, righteous, just from Genesis to revelation, from Jesus's, words that were recorded in the gospels to paul's letters to the churches all of it uh and god's word does not change from generation to generation to culture to culture what he says stands because Mm -hmm. if god has to change he's not god Mm -hmm. like he ceases to be god if he's not perfect and just and right because god who changes is not the same god uh he has to change and therefore he wasn't perfect he wasn't right he wasn't holy he had to uh, he had to change everything um and 
we see early on uh, that a lot of people would say, well, why do I have to listen to what Paul said to a church in the first century? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, we see in Colossians 4.16 that there was evidence that letters were passed around among the churches. Uh, early church fathers state that this in their own letters, that churches got other churches' letters, and it was all passed around, and there was an authoritative group that they, that they looked to follow. Um, and I would say that, and this might be a bold assertion for some people. I, I think it's really not. Uh, but you, I said, you, I think you cannot believe that God is all of these things, perfect, holy, righteous, but then ignore what his word says. You have completely just separated God himself from what God has spoken and said that, yeah, I believe in this God, but I don't believe that he would say this or that he has said this. Uh, I just don't think if, if God has revealed himself um, to be this way through his son, through the word, and then you just dis- separate those two things, you don't really know who God is or believe in him. Uh, yeah, why would God make it confusing for us believers today by having errors or st- trying to trick us? <laughs> yeah, trying to trick us. Or that wouldn't be a, a truthful God or a loving God for us to be yeah, just thrown up into wondering what his actual will is. Yeah, or taking like to jump off that, like taking his taking the Bible and saying like, oh, yeah, you got to figure out what in here I actually meant and what I didn't mean. Like, oh, you only follow what Jesus says, but you're not supposed to follow what Paul says. I just threw that in there to see if uh, you would follow that. Yeah. It's like that doesn't make sense. Why would God even what God that would be deceitful? Yeah, God actually does the opposite because it's so cool that throughout what, 67, 66 books in the Bible? Yeah. The message is the same. The, the All the books in the Bible were written over thousands of years and 40 different authors and they all point to Christ and they all have the same message of salvation. It's not like each each book says a different thing. We're not it's like one united message for us to believe. Yeah, it's like one it's if you think of it in a simple way, like it's like a, a normal book. One big book, one narrative, on one narrative story. You read Harry Potter. Harry yeah. Potter has one overarching from book 1 to book 7. Yeah. has one overarching storyline that each book contributes to. Yeah, and reveals more, and that's what that's what the Bible is. It's one narrative storyline that has that each person gives a different perspective and adds to that way as God has revealed that to them. Yeah, and only God could do that. Like that didn't just happen by chance. God orchestrated His Word to be written over these thousands of years to be clear and whole, united. Yeah, like that. Just like thinking of that, like that many different people over at least 2,000 years, yeah. at least 2,000 years, or 1,000, 2,000 years over the course of that, that that God had sent the same message to, to different people, and they had recorded this at different periods of time, and yeah. that they all tell one story. Yeah. Like, really cool. there's no way that that is just by accident. No. Heck no. All right, well, if we don't move on, we're probably <laughs> not going to ever finish this episode. So to kind of sum it up, we have to take God's truth um, at what it says. And if we don't, then we pretty much are putting ourselves above Scripture if we're the ones picking and choosing what to believe or not. Um, And so, yeah, we're basically going off what the Bible says. We're not saying what we believe about this topic based on just how we feel. We're, We're saying what we believe based on what God says to us. 
Um, and so the first thing to kind of consider when talking about how homosexuality relates to Christianity and what God thinks about homosexuality, we need to first know what God's original design for sex was, what his original design for marriage was. And so to do that, we can go all the way back to the, what is this, the third page of our Bible? First, second, third, something like that. Yeah. Yep. The third page of our Bible um, in the creation or in the creation narrative, when um, Adam was created, he, God said that um, it was not good for Adam to be alone. He said that um, he will make a helper fit for him. And so then, you know, the story, God um, put Adam into a sleep and then took his rib out and then created Eve out of Adam. And then Adam says this, we think it's like a love song or just some bold statement about Eve. He says, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And so right here, you see the distinctives. You see the distinction between man and woman. Um, woman man was created first and then woman was created out of man and woman was created to be a helper fit for Adam because Adam was not, um, it was not good for him to be alone. And then we get the key word, therefore. So we see the, op we see the distinction between gender and then how they complement each other. And then we see, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So the key word is therefore, because um, we see that marriage is based on a man and a woman being complementary to each other, um, helping each other out in their roles and created for each other. And we see that this is the basis why they should be married. And then later God gives them the command to be fruitful and multiply. Um, and obviously this can only be done in a, in a heterosexual marriage. And so God's original design we see is for one man and one woman to be married. Um, and then we also see why this is um, between a man and a woman only. Um, it's because only a man and a woman can fulfill um, God's command to be fruitful and multiply. We also see that marriage is supposed to be a picture of the gospel. We see this in Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. It says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. So marriage is supposed to represent and reflect and show the glory of Christ and the church. And so... Man is supposed to lead and love his wife as Christ would love the church. And woman is supposed to submit and love to her husband as the church does to Christ. And if it's two men, that obviously can't happen because that would be like Christ and Christ. Or if it's two women, it would be like the church and the church. And so um, only in a heterosexual marriage can it reflect um, the gospel of Christ loving the church. And the last reason is it's supposed to reflect the, the nature or an aspect of God's nature. We see God is a Trinitarian God. We see that he is, um, he has one nature in three persons. And so they're separate in persons, but um, the same in nature. And just like how um, we have separate persons, a man and a woman, they complement each other and become one flesh. 
So it's just an aspect that we see um, in the Trinity that reflects in marriage. And so as we see the God's design for marriage, how else would we consider this topic? Um, I think you covered it really well, uh, that beginning with uh, the authority of God and who he is and his word, um, and then just seeing how create out of creation, he, from the beginning, shows us the, the picture of what is right. And that mm. is even before the fall. Like, yeah. that was prior to the fall and God showing that this is, this is what marriage is. This is what this should look like. This is what I have created and instituted as, as right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that just a, a beautiful picture of Christ in the church um, is a man and his wife. And just seeing that that is the intended purposes of creation. That is what God had, uh, had intended for. And that's what we should be. That's what should happen. That's what, <laughs> that's what should happen is yeah. uh, I'll emphasize should happen because that is what god has created as good desires in his creation in those who are image bearers of god um and so we're going to wrap this up for this section we're going to take a short little break uh and then we're going to come back real quick um real quickly and then we're going to talk about um scripture um just some different passages um that emphasize that that go more into detail on different aspects of what God has said on um, homosexuality, on the LGBT community, things like that, what God has said regarding that um, through through his word. Um, And just as a another aside, like we began this episode with the authority of God and his word, because if you don't take the God at what he says, then what or who he is and then what he has said through his word, then then you're just coming at it from a different perspective. You, in order to rightly understand who God is, you have to rightly understand his word and that, that his word is, is a self revelation of who he is. Uh, and so that's why we began this episode with that, but stay tuned. We'll be back in just a few seconds uh, with the rest of this episode with some more application as well uh, for real life situations. Hey guys, welcome back to the Empty Thinking Podcast. As we said before the break, uh, we are just going to get into some scripture uh, and to dig into what God has said uh, about homosexuality throughout the, throughout the Bible. Uh, we're not going to be able to get into every single passage uh, just due to not wanting to make this podcast for like it's so super long because, like Joey said earlier, no one got time for that. Uh, no one got time for a sixty-minute-long podcast. Uh, though they would be great and helpful, I think, but it just, it's just not, it's not going to be helpful for, to, to listen to all of it. Uh, and so we're going to be looking at two passages, uh, but I'm going to give you a couple right now to just go and look at on your own. Uh, Leviticus 18, uh, verse 22, uh, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13. Uh, we're going to be looking at first Corinthians six and Romans one. Uh, and then first Timothy one ten is also another passage to, um, go look at it to go ex- to think through, um, but Joey, I'm gonna pass it off to you now to walk us through uh, a little bit of First Corinthians six. All right, First Corinthians six, not verses nine through eleven. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
do not be conceived, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And so the first thing that jumps out to me in this passage is that there is a long list of people who are not inheriting the kingdom of God. And that list includes the sexually immoral, includes um, those who practice homosexuality, but it also includes thieves and people who are greedy and people who are revilers and swindlers. And so the message that we see here is basically the message of the gospel. We see that um, all these people are not inheriting the kingdom of God. But then in verse 11, it says, and such were some of you, a.k.a. past tense, were. And so he says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of God. And so the question here is, can um, gay people or homosexual people be um, still be gay and Christians? Well, the answer is no. The answer is that if they're um, living in an unrepentant lifestyle of being um, gay, just as those who are living in thievery or living in greedy, um, being unrepentant and before coming to Christ, then yes, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the good news is that the same gospel message applies to gay people as it does to people who are greedy, people who are thieves, and all the other um, kinds of sinners. And so um, it's good news. Christ, it says, will wash us. It says we, will, we are sanctified and we are justified um, by coming to him. And so people who are living a gay lifestyle or who are actively and unrepentantly gay, then they need the same message as everybody else. They need the gospel. They don't need, hey, you have to stop being gay to become a Christian. They need to hear, hey, Christ died for you, and he will, um, by turning from your sin and coming to him, he will wash you, he will sanctify you, and he will justify you, and he will give you forgiving and transforming grace so that you can be a new person and have eternal life in him. Yeah, and I think to piggyback off of that, if you continue on in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul continues his um, continues his thought and continues um, thinking through this. And he says um, down in uh, verse 16, he's reiterating, or like throughout the whole thing, he's talking about our bodies being members of Christ uh, and shall the member of Christ make, um, and should you join them to a prostitute? Um to and and things and then in verse 16 he says do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her for as it is written the two will become one flesh which we looked at joey looked at and read earlier from genesis 2:24. like paul's reiterating the marriage covenant and marriage what it looks like that two are becoming one flesh and then he continues on uh but he who is joined to the lord becomes one spirit with him so you are in in christ you're one spirit with the lord uh, and he continues that and says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And he says to connect it back to verse 17, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. 
you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So if you are a Christian, Christ is in you. You abide in Christ and Christ abides in you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. The temple is no longer a physical building. You are a temple of God with the Spirit in you. And he's saying to steward that well. And sexual immorality, homosexuality, adultery, things like that, don't steward that that well. Yeah, because Jesus says earlier, or not earlier in this letter, in a different in a different letter in Mark, he says that all that comes out of a person it um, corrupts them and is evil and it defiles them. And in that list, he includes sexual immorality. And so we sexual immorality is a sin is because it corrupts us. It's evil and it's deceitful. Yeah, and I think uh, flipping over to Romans, uh, the book, uh, the book of Romans, uh, Paul says there, and we'll kind of skip through because it's a really long section that um, Paul's talking about from verse eighteen to verse thirty-two. So we'll kind of skip around, uh, but Paul's addressing this to the Church of Rome, uh, to them, and to the this specific section is to those who are separated from the church, separated from Christ, um, but also yeah. So we're getting there. So. Paul says, uh, starting in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Um, Skipping down uh, a few verses to uh, verse 21, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to this honoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And then this gives way into the main thing we're going to, to be looking at. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And then it continues on saying that they're not... That they didn't acknowledge God. God gave them up to a debased mind. They were filled with all unrighteousness. And then this continues on with what Joey was just saying. Like it gives us, it gives um, another list of where this sin is included in, and which is showing that the same message of the gospel is being proclaimed to them. But here Paul is is showing that um, that in creation, in general revelation, all people can look around at creation and at the various things and know that this is not all axis this wasn't like a particle split into another particle and mixed with this thing and then all of a sudden you have this whole universe and this whole world like it's you look around and you're like wow this is beautiful this is intricate this is complex like a god had to create this god had to create this uh and they've exchanged that truth for a lie they've they've bought into just to a to a lie they have disregarded um, what God has said and what God has um, instilled in them that they understand and, and intuitively know that that this has been this isn't by chance this is uh, intentional uh, is what I was trying to get at and God is saying that this impurity this exchange of a lie or the truth for a lie 
has give, made God give them over to their passions. And we always want to say like, oh, my passions, what I desire is right and good. But in reality, God says he gave them over to their passions, which shows that our passions, our desires are sinful to their very nature. If God has to, gives them over and this is what happens, uh, it shows the sinfulness of our desires and what we want um, is completely warped uh, from what God has intended us to be. Uh, and these, he called Paul, just notice what Paul calls them. He calls them dishonorable passions. He calls them unnat, like he exchanged natural relations for these other relationships. So it's shown at Joey told us in Genesis that it was instilled in us at creation and from who we are that what is right and what is good and what is about um, sex and gender is man and woman married man and wife that is what is good that is what's natural um, but here they have exchanged that and have done the opposite mm-hmm. yeah but they and so with that they need um to so yeah with that we have that god has given them over um to these unnatural relations and so continuing that Joey, just talk to us about how we should the church should treat LGBTQ people. Like what how should that be? Because a lot of times I think we just get this wrong as a church and as a people. Yeah, so I think a couple of things could be said here. And that is that we shouldn't um preach the gospel and to them in a way that we address the outside before addressing the inside. We need to address the inside before we can address the outside. So basically what that means is if someone who is who is gay comes into our church, we shouldn't the first thing we tell them isn't how to live um, a Christian life. The first thing we need to tell them is, well, what is the Christian life? What is the gospel? Um, someone isn't going to respond well with preaching um, a rules-based religion. We need to first teach them about God's grace before they can learn to live um, in light of God's grace. And so the best way to do that is to come in and love on them, treat them like any other, um, any other people um, who walked in as strangers would. And so we need to love on them and then share the gospel with them, either through the preaching of God's word or just one on one. And so they need to know the gospel. They need to feel um, loved and welcomed at the church, just like any other person would be. Yes. Yeah, if, if you if a uh, if a straight couple came into the church and they were living together and sleeping together outside the the context of marriage, we wouldn't immediately say, "Hey, you need to like move out and not not do that anymore before you can come to church with us." No, we would treat them like like people who need the gospel, and so we just don't want to be treating. Um, gay people in a different way that we would treat anyone else. Yeah. And I think that's in the church. We kind of see that, you know, we, we want to treat, we see someone like as homosexual and we're like, Oh, well they're different. Like mm-hmm. they're just they're, it's a we, different sin. It's a different sin. And therefore like, uh, I don't, I, I feel awkward. And I think like Joey said, we need to love on them. We need to care for them as if they were someone who is greedy or discontent or is angry or yeah. struggles with things like that. Like, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's, I mean, there it's the sin and the sin nature is expressed in two different ways, but it's the same sin nature that needs to be addressed uh, in that same way. And um, 
yeah, I just don't think we need to we need to love them, care for them, and and treat them as if they are unbelievers, which like and care for them and love them, share the gospel with them. I yeah. think that's a, a great a great way to to begin that. And I think one other thing to add is not to not to act weird or different around mm. people who are um, LGBTQ or whatever, because I think the tendency is to be like. I don't like if, if you're a guy, like I'm just going to come at it from a guy's perspective because I'm a guy. And if a, another, a, a man walks into the church and he's homosexual and not being like, well, I'm not going to get close to this guy. Cause he's probably just going to develop feelings for me. And that's just going to be awkward. Like, no, like they like they struggle in this, like in the same way we would say like we like or, or desire a woman. That's what they desire in a man. They don't just go around liking every single person of that their gender like it's it's a different thing and so not being insensitive not being and and um, stereotyping or just adding things to them but loving them as a normal person or as a person who's a sinner and needs the love of christ and needs the gospel preached to them yeah so another question is um what are some options for christians who have um to struggle with same-sex attraction um i think the only two options really that the Bible gives um, one is we've looked at is marriage, heterosexual marriage, uh, mm-hmm. man and a wife, man and a woman. Uh, or the other option is singleness. And Paul advocates for singleness. I honestly, Paul kind of advocates for singleness over marriage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but singleness uh, is advocated by Paul is also advocated by Jesus in Matthew 19. He says that there are eunuchs who have become eunuchs for the kingdom. Eunuchs have been eunuchs for the, for my man. And, the singleness is not a, a bad thing. Uh, singleness is, Paul says, is more freeing. It allows you to do more for the kingdom because you're not, your attention, your devotion isn't divided on kingdom stuff and earthly stuff. Uh, you can have a full and, and, and focused mind on the kingdom. Not that marriage is bad or whatever, but marriage, you have a different set of responsibilities uh, and, and understandings and things that you have to do as a married man, as a married wife, then if you were just single. Yeah. And it's not to say that you are destined for a life of singleness. There or is loneliness or loneliness. There is um, examples of God's grace where they, where people have been, their desires have been transformed. Like Jackie Hill Perry. She's a prominent Christian speaker who used to be a lesbian and um, she was then saved and God gave her a desire for a specific um, man that would eventually become her husband. And then I think you were talking about someone else who uh, Rosario Butterfield. Um, she has a book uh, titled "The Secrets of an Unlikely Convert." She was a women's prof- women's studies professor. I believe she was a tenured professor at Syracuse University, teaching on women's studies. She was lesbian, but was living with a with a woman, and then met these uh, this pastor and his wife, who poured into her, cared for her, loved her for a long period of time, and then she became a believer and radically changed. And she ended up her she her desires change. She ended up marrying an, a man and I think they have a few kids. Um, and so it just shows that like when you become saved, you're not like, Oh, you just can't, uh, if you were homosexual, you just can't um, date anybody anymore yeah. because you just have to give that up. No, like you become a whole new creation. Second Corinthians five seventeen says you have, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so God in that can give you new desires, gives you new desires. Uh, but and so 
it doesn't mean you're destined for loneliness. Yeah. You're also in a community of believers. The church is supposed to is going to come around you. You're adopted into this family, uh, and they will bear that burden with you of yeah. walking through that. I think one word of, of just caution to know is that um, although there are lots of examples of of people who used to struggle with same sex attraction that were saved and had their desires changed, God doesn't promise that to everyone. Yeah, there, we shouldn't hop on the the train of pray the gay away or anything like that. There is awesome examples of God's grace, but there's also examples of God's grace where their desires weren't changed to heterosexual desires but rather they were embracing the life of singleness as a gift and also embracing the church as their family and that as their means of um, love and intimacy and friendship and family, um, things that you would get in a marriage. I think Sam Albury, like we were talking about before this, is a, is a good example of this, who's a gay man and has been converted and it, uh, to my knowledge, to this point in his life, is still single, not married. Uh, and the Lord has used him yep. greatly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you ha- if you guys haven't read the book, is God anti gay? Um, I read it for preparing for this podcast, and not only was I thoroughly, uh, I gained so much knowledge about this topic, but I also just gained so much knowledge about the gospel um, because the gospel it's it's amazing. It's the message is the same for everyone, um, no matter what type of sin they're struggling with. Um, I think lastly, um, to talk about same-sex attraction, I think that's the last mm-hmm. point of application. Um, and same, like like Joey said, sometimes those desires don't necessarily absolutely absolve uh, from yeah. someone's life. And be- believers who are in the church right now, and you might be someone who's listening and saying, like, yeah, I struggle with same-sex attraction, and I believe in Christ. Like, what do I do? Or um, someone who is homosexual right now that's listening to this podcast or in part of the LGBT community that is like, I want to give my life to Christ. What does that mean? Uh, and we've kind of talked about those things, but for like same sex attraction might be something that the Lord graciously just rids you of. Um, mm-hmm. But there's also the chance that you struggle with that for the rest of your life. Uh, but the difference between someone who struggles with same sex attraction, um, who is a believer and the person who is homosexual and not a believer is the fact that the one who is struggling with same-sex attraction recognizes that they're what they are doing, um, as we've looked at from First Corinthians, from Romans, is is sin, and that they are putting that sin to death. They are putting that and not actively living in that lifestyle and just saying, you know what, I think God made me this way. That's why I feel this way, um, and so I'm just going to live that way because that's what God would want me to do. No, we looked at Romans that said like God gave you up for the like to your dishonorable passions. His his intention is for man and a woman. His intention is for Christ and his church. His intention is for you to glorify him in your body. Um, and so for those who struggle with same-sex attraction, like we need as as believers to come make a make, create an environment where people can confess that and say, like, yeah, I'm struggling with this, but I want to I want to kill it. I want to not act on it and us come alongside people who are struggling with same-sex attraction um, and helping them put that to death. Um, but that's the difference is same people like if you have same sex attraction or you have to be um, putting it to death in the same way that if you struggled with lust or anger or idolatry, um, you have to put that to death in the same manner. Because if someone is living a life of thievery and they say, oh, I believe in the gospel, but they're constantly or murder or anger, they're going around and killing people. 
you could argue like you don't really believe in the gospel because God says to put that to death and you haven't. And it just not it's not just that way for homosexuality or murder. It's the same way for lying, for gossip. Like you have to put that to death uh, and put that and kill that. Otherwise, um, you're not living an obedient lifestyle to Christ and confessing your sin to him. Yeah. So that's all I got. You got anything more? No, I, that's about all we got. And like we said, um, I think this podcast is probably around 30 to 40 minutes or so, 30 to 35 minutes. And we could go so much longer. There's so much more yeah. that we would love to go into. And we hope that this was helpful for you guys uh, to start the conversation, to continue the conversation and to start researching and thinking through um, different things. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, love to hear your thoughts, things we might have missed, things we might have said that you disagree with. Uh, and we'd like to talk about it, but we want we want to talk about it based on the authority of God and his word and not mm-hmm. from culture. Like not that culture is not our guide. God is our guide and God mm-hmm. is our standard of, of holiness and what is right and what is good. And so we want to hear from you guys. We want to know what you guys think. Uh, we hope this was beneficial. Sweet. Yeah. So we'll see you guys uh, next week.